Hello and welcome to the BVC Podcast. Here at Brownsburg Vineyard Church, we want you to know that we are a group of ordinary people that serve an extraordinary God. Our mission is to honor God and advance His kingdom by building disciples who will give their lives to changing the world. Whether you are local or joining us from a distance, we want to thank you for being a part of our family. To learn more about us, you can visit thebvchurch.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's message. such a different context to, to see and to be in, and, uh, and it was interesting to see not only just the Word of God and the power of God lived out in a different context, but also to see the kind of the vineyard values, who, who we are as a church and the family that we belong to live, lived out there, so it was really exciting. And, and one of the observations that I made was in as much as um, the leaders there needed like education, they, they need training, and they, they haven't necessarily had the opportunity to go to Bible school or seminary, or next week we're going over to Champaign-Urbana for a four-day long conference. Those, those resources aren't as readily available for them. They don't necessarily have access online to the things that we do. So, so there's a little bit of a backfilling on the education side of things that needs to happen, but there is not a need to backfill on the empowering side of things. Like the people there live with such an amazing power. When they pray, the leader will say, okay, we're going to pray for this person or we're going to pray for this thing. And then everybody in the room starts praying at one time, like loudly. So the whole room is praying and you just, you almost feel yourself being lifted off the ground, like with the power and the intensity of everybody's engaging in prayer and you're looking around and it's like nobody's just sitting there listening, but everybody is like fervently and passionately praying. And, and then when they worship, I mean, they just worship with such joy and passion and investment. And, and, and it, it's an interesting tension because as you're there, you can just feel the heaviness. You can feel just the hardship of life that they deal with on a day-to-day basis. Like you can feel the weight of that. But in worship, there just springs up this joy within them. And that's an amazing thing to see. They go out and they reach out into their communities and they go village to village preaching the gospel to people and, and just putting their lives on the line, going into sometimes dangerous places to do that. And they regularly pray for people to be healed and they see people healed and they, they plant churches. And so they have this incredible empowering within them. And what's interesting is when you look at most of church history, you'll see that most of the major movements in church history, they were, um, they were stewarded and they were led not by the educated people, but by the empowered people. They were led by people who were just filled with the Holy Spirit, even the Asbury Revival that we, we've seen recently. Even though it happened at a college, it wasn't something that was stewarded or led or started by the professors. It was just this groundswell amongst the students. And so there's just a sense that this empowering is a whole different quality. Education is good, and I'm not saying that those two things are in competition with one another. Education is great. But we have to remember as Christians, we are people of power. 
as Christians, where we make our bread and butter is being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that is like central to the Christian gospel, unique to the Christian gospel, is that the God that we serve has decided to share His power with us, to give us access to that power. And so that's who we are. When we talk about this word empower, what we're really talking about is this supernatural transfer of power by God that allows us to do the things that we couldn't naturally do. Empowering is when God says, here, have some of this. Here, have some of me, have some of my power so that you can do things you could never do before. So that you could do things that you couldn't naturally do. Today we're concluding our series on the rock and Throughout this series, we've been talking about the church as being a place of dwelling. And we had Di Lehman from Champaign-Urbana kick this series off and talk about how the church is the place that God dwells in a very unique way. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So when we gather together, we dwell in the presence of God. And we talked about the church is a place of becoming. So this is a place where we come and God changes us. He transforms our life. It's a place of grace and mercy where we can come as, as who we are and we can be gracious to one another and we can encourage one another and watch the Holy Spirit cause each of us to become something. Last week, Charlie shared a message on the church being a place of belonging. That we are a family. We're not just an organization or an institution. We are a family. The Bible says that we are like living stones that God is building His church together with. And so you don't just come to church. You belong to a church. And then today we're going to finish this series with a message entitled, The Church is a Place of Empowering. And this message is essential to who we are as a church, and who we are as a, a vineyard church, because... The vineyard was birthed out of this desire to be empowered to do the stuff that Jesus did. John Wimber, who founded the Vineyard Church, he had, he had come out of a completely godless background. And he came into the church and he hung around the church for a while and he sensed that there was something wrong here. As he read the Word of God, he, he saw the power of Jesus. He saw the power of the apostles. And he saw the idea that, hey, aren't we supposed to be doing this stuff? But he didn't see it happening. And so there was a desire within him that, well, wait a second. We're supposed to be empowered people. And the conclusion that he made is that the church isn't a place where you just come and be entertained, but it's a place where you come to be empowered. This isn't a place where you just come and watch the worship team sing or listen to the worship team sing. It's not a place where you just come and, and listen to somebody wax eloquently up here. This is a place where you come to get empowered. And we often make the mistake of coming here expecting to be entertained, but not expecting to be empowered. We come here expecting and maybe hoping that the worship team will sing a song that we like to sing or that the message will be interesting to us, but we don't necessarily come here strategically and intentionally saying, I'm coming to be equipped, to being empowered to do the things that Jesus did. I'm coming here to be empowered to overcome the things I never used to be able to overpower before. I'm coming here to be empowered so that I can fight on the behalf of others. I can rescue others from their bondage. I'm, I'm coming here to be empowered to, uh, to be a witness in my community. That's the expectation. That's what we're called to do. And that's really 
expressed even in our mission statement as a church. Our mission statement is to create opportunities for people to encounter God. That's that dwelling. Our mission is to create an opportunity for people to come and dwell with God. That's what we do here on Sunday mornings. We do that Tuesday night in our youth groups, throughout the week in our life groups. We did that Friday night at our night of worship. And we encourage you and we release you to create opportunities for people to encounter God when you sit down and have lunch with them or when you have coffee with them. Beyond that, is our mission to create opportunities for people to experience transformation. That's that whole becoming thing. That when people come here, they're going to experience transformation that they're going to become something. The next part of our mission statement is to create opportunities for people to be empowered for ministry. We believe that this is a place where you come and a download happens, a shift in power happens. Where something happens in your life where you walk out of here being able to do things that you couldn't do before. So today, that's what we're going to talk about. That's how we're going to end this series. We're going to talk about what it means to be empowered and the role that the church plays in all of that. And to do that, we're going to take a look at an example of a church, an entire church, being empowered. Let me give you a little bit of a background to this story. At the time of this story, the church was predominantly Jewish. For the most part, it was just Jews who went to the church. They, they clearly kind of ran the church. There was also an expectation at that time. This was uh, just after the ascension of Jesus, where Jesus went to heaven, and the apostles were running the church. All of the leaders were, were Jewish. All of the people of influence were Jewish. And so it was a, a very different-looking church than what it is today. And then two events happened simultaneously. There was a man named Cornelius, who was a Gentile. He was a Roman centurion. And he had gathered a bunch of family and friends in his house. They were hungry for God. The Holy Spirit shows up. The angel appears to Cornelius and says, Hey, you're going to find a man named Peter, and here's the address. Type this into your GPS. This is where Peter is. At the same time, Cornelius is having a vision Peter is hanging out in his house, sitting on the balcony, and three times he sees a vision of a sheet of heaven, a sheet from, coming down from heaven filled with food. By the way, if God ever is wanting to show me a vision, I want a vision that has food involved in it. All right? And so what a great vision. Whole sheet comes down, and it's filled with food. And I'm like, yes, amen, hallelujah, I like this vision. Here's the problem. Every single item of food on that sheet was food that Peter had never eaten before. As a ceremonially clean Jew, he would not eat food on there. And three times God said to him, don't declare unclean what I have made clean. So there's a knock at the door. Cornelius meets Peter and says, let's go to my house. And so Peter goes to the Gentile's house. And think about this for a second. For the very first time, in Peter's life, he stood at the threshold of Cornelius' house and he took a step that he had never taken in his life before. To step inside of a place that prior to this moment he had considered unclean. And in that moment he stepped in. And that's where we'll pick up the story. You'll see it on the screen. While Peter was still speaking, these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished. 
that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Prior to this story and prior to this event, the apostles always thought that the empowering of the Holy Spirit that happened on the day of Pentecost. Remember when the 70 people were in the upper room and Jesus had said, wait in Jerusalem for my Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit fell on them, they always thought that that was a confirmation of Jesus' promise to them. You will receive power. They thought it was confirmation Jesus fulfilled His promise. And it was that. What they didn't understand is that it was also meant to be a continuation of the promise. Not just a confirmation to them, but a continuation to everyone who believed. The empowering that the apostles received, when they first received it, it was like, well, hey, we're the apostles. This is what we were promised. We are the chosen. We are the selected. And so we get access to this thing. We get special access to this thing so that we can carry this thing on. But that day in Cornelius' house, their whole perspective changed. And it's not just a confirmation that we're empowered, but now we understand that there is a continuation of this empowerment. The Peter and Cornelius story was a pivot point that changed everything. It changed how the church operates. And quite frankly, over the years and over the generations, the church hasn't done a great job stewarding this continuation idea of empowering. Many churches do not do a great job communicating and releasing people to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Many churches actually theologically believe that the empowering of the Holy Spirit the, the apostles receive and that the people in Cornelius' house receive, they believe that that, that that has ceased and gone away. But the gifts of the Holy Spirit and working in the power of the Holy Spirit that went away when the apostles died or when the Bible was written, we no longer needed that, and so they're not open to it anymore. But no reasonable reading of Scripture will give you any other idea than that this empowering the empowering that we read about that happened in Cornelius' house was a continuation, not only upon Cornelius and his family and friends, but on us today. That the Holy Spirit wants to continue to empower us. Our legacy, our heritage as a vineyard church is that the church is a place where people come to be empowered by the Holy Spirit so that they can go and do the things that Jesus did. That's our heritage and that's our legacy. That the church is where we come like a bunch of electric cars and we plug ourselves in and we get powered so that we can go out and we can go to the places whether it's our neighborhood or whether it's Cote d'Ivoire and we can do the things that Jesus did. And that's what the church is. It's a place where people experience that empowering. And when we define the church, or when we see the church, or when we expect the church to be anything less than that, what we end up doing is we end up adopting an impotent iteration of the church. We end up adopting this reduced version of the church, where people just come and behave properly and then leave, but make no real significant impact outside of these walls. That's not what the church was meant to be. 
This is a power center right here. And the people who come here leave here with that power in them. And that's the gospel message. That's who we are. And so today I want to share just a few thoughts about what it means to be empowered, what it looks to be empowered, and how the church kind of participates in that. And I hope that what this message does is it kind of changes or shifts a little bit of your expectations of how you come in here on Sunday morning. That it would shift it a little bit away from the, the entertainment expectation to the empowerment expectation. That from this point forward, you walk through those doors and you say, Today, God is going to download something in me I've never had before. Today, God is going to share a part of His power with me because there is something that He wants me to do. I would pray that from this point forward, you would come in here like somebody ready to get charged up, refueled, and reassigned to go out there and to do the things that Jesus did. And I think as a church, in terms of the impact that we can have in our communities, in our schools, in the places where you work, in, in this community, in this country, and in the countries abroad, that we can have an incredible impact if we embrace this idea of empowerment. But let's take a look at a few thoughts of what it means to be empowered. The first one is this, is that empowering is an open invitation. Empowering is an invitation that God extends with the hope that everyone will receive it. God wants everyone to be empowered. It's not an exclusive thing. It's not where God just says, oh, you behave better than the person next to you, so I'm going to give you more of my power. Oh, I see how much you tithe. Let me give you a little bit more of my power. That's not how it works. The invitation is for everyone. It's for Jews and Gentiles. The invitation is for male and for female. Can I just say this? Ladies, listen to this. Jesus says, greater things will you do than me. And so ladies, you have the same power of the Holy Spirit that allowed Jesus to do what He did. And so if you have the same power that Jesus did, you can do the same things that Jesus did. That's why we release women to preach and to teach, and to lead, and to pray, and to heal, and to do all the things that Jesus did. Because of the substance, the fuel, the power that allowed Jesus to do that is the same thing that dwells inside of you. It's not just for males, but it's for females as well. There's not an age restriction on who can do the things that Jesus did. God wants to empower our youth. He wants to empower our children. And if we ever needed to have empowered Christian children in the schools, it's now. If we ever needed to have teens who carry the power of God with them into a very dark place, it's now. And so we better believe that the empowerment of God can fall upon our kids and our youth. Because they are living in a battlefield. And so that has to be our passion. And again, that's part of the programming, that's part of the, the mission that we have here is to raise up young men and young women who have the power of the Holy Spirit and to go into a place and to be influencers there. The empowering of the Holy Spirit is inclusive to people with good, clean, reputable backgrounds and people with not so good or clean or reputable backgrounds. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what church you grew up in or if you ever went to church. Today, the invitation is for you to be empowered. 
It's not inclusive to those who have been educated and to those who have been trained and, and those who can list the 66 books of the Bible in order. It's not dependent on that. It's inclusive. It's an invitation that God wants everyone to accept. In the scripture that we read earlier when Peter was in, in Cornelius' house, it says, while Peter was still speaking, these words of the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. That word all is very critical to this whole conversation about empowering because that's not the only place we see that word all in relationship to the power, the empowering of the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, when the apostles were in the upper room and the Holy Spirit fell, it said this, all of them, not just some of them, not just the men in the room, but all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues. And then after that happens, Peter stands up, goes out on the balcony, and now he's preaching a gospel message. This same Peter, who didn't have the power to stand up for Jesus when he was being uh, uh, abused and falsely arrested, this same Peter now stands up, who had once cowered away, and he preaches this message. And in the message before all of the people, he says this, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will receive the power. The promise is for you, your children, and for all who are far off for all whom the Lord our God will call. If that's not enough, back the whole show up 400 years to the book of Joel, who was a prophet, and listen to what Joel prophesies 400 years before all of this. He says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And so I want you to understand that that word all should have a huge impact on our perspective of who God is. Our perspective on who He is and what His purpose is. That word all tells us that God is not a God who withholds things from us. God is not a God who, who miserly hands things out only to a few hand-selected people. But God is this generous God, this benevolent God, this God who says, I don't care if some of it gets wasted, I just want to see everybody have it. He just throws it out there for everyone. That's, that's who God is. So that word all has to, has to change our perspective of seeing God as just such an overwhelmingly generous God that He'd rather risk it and waste it than have somebody not get it who needs it. He has so much of it. He's not trying to save it. He's trying to give it all away. You know, maybe one of the, the scriptures that reveal both the heart of Satan and the heart of God, and then the contrast between those two in, in, in the most clear way is John 10.10, where it says that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. See, we live in a world where there are so many things beyond these walls, including Satan, that is trying to defeat you, that is trying to rob you of your power, that is trying to make you powerless, that's trying to strip you of your voice, that's trying to strip you of your destiny, that's trying to strip you of your call in life, that's trying to strip you of your destiny, that's trying to strip you of your resources, that's trying to strip you of your hope and your courage and your faith. There are so many forces beyond this wall that is trying to rob you of all of that. And God says, I want you to win. In every challenge, I want you to win. I want you to be victorious. 
I want you to overcome. I want you to be powerful. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a little bit of myself so that that can happen. And so I want to encourage you this morning that there is an invitation here this morning. There's an invitation here every Sunday morning to be empowered to live a victorious life. And I want to encourage you to pause every time you walk through those doors, take a deep breath and say, I am about to be empowered. I am about to have a portion of the living God imparted, downloaded, transferred to me so that I'll walk out of this place with power to do things I've never been able to do. And that's an invitation. And that's what the church is. It's a place for you to be empowered. Second thought about empowering is that empowering is an impartation. The first question there, the first point kind of talks about God and God's heart. Uh, This one kind of answers, how does that happen? How does it happen that a substance of God gets transferred to us? We use this word impartation a lot in Christian circles. You see it in the Bible. And really what an impartation is, is when a part or a portion of a measure of the Holy Spirit is transferred into us. Think about that for a second. Substantively, we're so different than God. He's spirit, we're flesh. But God miraculously has figured out a way to download a part of Himself into you. And that's what we call impartation. And that, that imparting can happen at a number of different points in our life in a number of different ways. When we come to Christ for the very first time and we say, Jesus Christ, I accept You as my Lord and Savior, that prayer, that cry releases the Holy Spirit to your life. And if you're here today and you've never prayed that prayer, if you've never prayed the prayer, Jesus Christ, I want You to be my Lord and Savior. I want to follow You all the days of my life. Today is the day you can do that. And you get immediately a download of the Holy Spirit. We also see that impartation happening at baptism. When we, we baptize people, which we're going to be doing in a couple weeks. And if you haven't been baptized before, or it's been a long time since you were baptized and you've wandered away from God and you want a fresh start, I would encourage you to be baptized. But we see when Jesus was being baptized, the Holy Spirit fell on Him. So baptism is a point in time where that impartation happens. And then there are subsequent fillings. In, in some circles we call it baptism of the Holy Spirit or infilling of the Holy Spirit where, where after we're saved, we just come to this place in our life where we have this encounter with the Holy Spirit and we just get drenched in the Holy Spirit. And praise God for those subsequent encounters with the Holy Spirit. And then there are these, these uh, micro-impartations, I would call them. Just these moments in time where God just benevolently says, here, have some of this. And He just imparts His Holy Spirit to us. How many of us here need that continual impartation? We sing this song, Spirit of the Living God, fall afresh on me. How many of you right now are going through a tough time in your life that you can't do in your own strength? You're facing situations at home, You're facing financial situations, relational situations, maybe physical situations. And you realize you need something beyond you. And God just wants to impart it. One of the greatest prayers that we can pray is, Come, come Holy Spirit, fall afresh. 
give me the power that I need today to say the things that I need to say. Give me the power that I need today to love people the way I need to love. Give me the power today, God, to forgive the people I need to forgive. Give me the power today, God, to have the courage to do the things that I need to do. And whenever that impartation happens, it creates this power shift, this shift in the balance of power in our lives. So the things that used to defeat us, the things that used to be too difficult to us, the mountains that we could not climb, the obstacles that we could not overcome, the weights that used to to break us and to bend us, that we all of a sudden start having victory over that. Listen to what Romans 11 says and how clearly it talks about this. It says, it's the spirit of him. It's the power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Then he who raised, or the power that raised Christ from the dead, will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. So what Romans 8.11 is saying, the same portion of God that was released to go into the grave and to breathe life into Jesus, the same power of God that rolled away the stone is in your life. And if the power that rolled away the stone in front of Jesus' grave is also in your life, then that same power will roll away whatever stone is standing in your way and will release you from whatever grave that you're in and will bring to life whatever area of death that you are experiencing in your life. So I want you to know right now there is power here today for you to overcome the fears that you have. Whatever fear you have in your life right now, God wants to impart to you confidence and courage so that you do not have to live in fear anymore. There is no fear in love. Perfect love, perfect power drives out all fear. You don't have to live in fear anymore. The empowering of the Holy Spirit can help you overcome fear. You don't have to live in bitterness anymore. You don't have to carry unforgiveness in your heart anymore. You know, I had a thought when I was preparing this message and I got to this point. And it was this. I think we've all made the mistake of waiting and expecting an apology and thinking that we needed an apology when what we really needed was an impartation. We didn't need anybody to say anything to us. What we needed was the Spirit of the living God to fall afresh on us and to flush out that bitterness and to flush out that unforgiveness. If you were to give me a choice, some schmuck saying sorry to me, what good is that? The offense has already happened. The money's already been lost. The dent is already in my car. What's your apology going to do? I can't cash that. Really, what, what is an apology? We put all of this emphasis on people apologizing. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but I'm just saying it's pretty much worthless in comparison to an impartation of the Holy Spirit that takes all of that bitterness, that takes all of that anger, that takes all of that unforgiveness and just washes it away, as Emily was talking about, just washes it and then just, just causes you to flourish in joy. We don't need an apology. We need an impartation. And that's what we hear every Sunday when we come in here. There's sin that has been controlling your life. But there's power here to overcome that sin. 
There is shame that some of you have been living with over things that have been done to you in the past and things that you have done. And you have lived as a slave to that shame. And God wants to impart today the power of the Holy Spirit that would set you free from that prison, set you free from that grave, so that you would see yourself in a way you've never seen yourself before. We love the spiritual gifts around here, and we love what they do. And we encourage people to desire the spiritual gifts, and there's an impartation for those. So that you're not just praying or speaking blindly, but you can speak through the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's where this impartation and the church kind of meet up. God uses the church in a very special way to carry out the impartation. Throughout the Bible, you see impartation happening when people lay hands on one another. I don't understand the science behind it. It's not like God needs this to happen. He just likes when it happens. He likes when the body works together. And so what we do when we have pre-service prayer, when people just pray for one another, and when we lay hands on one another, we believe what's happening in that moment is that we are a conduit of the power of God. And that something, that God is depositing something in us so that through the prayers and the laying out of hands is being transferred to someone else. That's a beautiful part of what we do here. I think impartation happens when the worship team is up here worshiping. As they're singing, it's like the words of the song and the worship that's coming from this stage is being imparted into our souls and into our spirits and it's healing us and it's strengthening us. And what we do as an audience of worshipers is we just like open up our hands and we just worship. Yes, yes, impart that to me. Impart that living water to me. We receive that. You know, that happens in the preaching as well. You'll come here and and somebody standing behind this podium will say something. And the number of times that I have people who will say to me after a message, it was like you were speaking right to my life. And I'm like, I have no idea what's going on in your life. That's God imparting something to you. And so that's the role of the church. The role of the church is that we participate in this imparting. And that's why we are all ministers. Do you realize that right now, Right now, you have something inside of you that someone else in this room needs. Think about that for a second. You have something inside of you that someone else needs. And the church is the place where we give away what God has put in us. That's what we do as a church. That's what makes this a unique place. So don't come in here carrying the same thing you leave out of here with. Give something away every time you come in here. You may impart an encouraging word. You may impart a compliment. You may impart a prayer. You may impart laying on a hand of someone. Be the church. Be involved in that empowering. And here's the last point that I want to make quickly. Is that empowering is irrevocable. I think one of the greatest challenges that we have as Christians is to manage this tension between understanding how good and gracious and loving God is and with our own natural tendency to expect rejection. Woven into the fabric of our humanity is a fear of rejection. Is anybody here not familiar with the fear of rejection? (laughs) Turn to the person next to you, they'll tell you what it's about. We all know 
that internal fear of rejection that's just woven into our flesh. The Bible tells us it's because of Adam and Eve we were born into sin. When Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? They feared rejection. So they covered themselves and they hid. And so even though we come to Christ, and the Bible says when we come to Christ, we move from being an orphan to being adopted, we're adopted, and that's all fine and good, but in the dark recesses of our soul and of our mind and of our emotion, there are still these places and these moments and these times where we wonder whether God will reject us, whether God is disappointed with us, whether some of the promises of God are more available to other people than they are to us. And one of the ways in which we allow that fear of rejection to happen in our lives is in this whole area of empowerment. How can I do the things that Jesus did when I don't live like Jesus did? When we're considering the inconsistency in my life, how can I expect the power of God to be consistent? And sometimes we believe the lie that our actions have disqualified us from the promise of God's power in our life. And Romans 11.29 answers that when it says the gift, God's gift and call are irrevocable. He doesn't take back what He gives. And the conclusion that the apostles and Peter made in Cornelius' house that day is that those Gentiles who had always been disqualified from access to God were no longer disqualified. And not only were they no longer disqualified, but they never had to do anything to be qualified. They never had to be circumcised. They never had to obey the the ritual rules of the Jewish law. They never had to do that. In that moment, this point came home true. There is no more disqualification. This gift is irrevocable. And no matter where you've been, no matter what type of week you've had, God still wants to impart power to you. And that's an incredible statement about His grace. Now we have to steward that. I think we have to cooperate with that. I think it works out a whole lot better for us when we seek God and when we are obedient to Him. But you will never be disqualified from the power of God. And when we fall, and when we walk away, He calls us back, and He says, I want to give you my power again. And we say, again? But I've failed you. And He goes, my promise is not based on your faithfulness to me. My promise is based on my faithfulness to you. And praise God, that the gifts and the empowerment of God are based on His faithfulness to us and not our faithfulness to Him, or we would all be undone. You know what the church is? Yesterday, I, I watched this video. I think it was up from the early 90s. The video, uh, You've Got the Power, or I've Got the Power. Remember that, that rap song? I watched this crazy music video. I've got the power. Here's what the church is. I would sing it for you, but I don't have time. You know what the church is? The church is a place where we come and we say to one another, Dave, you've got the power. Come to one another and say, Jeff, you've got the power. Come and we say, Cindy, don't forget. 
You've got the power. Or we say, Kathy, I know you've got some things happening this week. But remember, you've got the power. Or we say, Mike, I know you're new to all of this, but don't forget, you've got the power. That's what the place is. The place is we come and we remind ourselves, Ron, you've got the power. Don't live an impotent, powerless life out there. You've got the power. We come in here and we encourage one another. You've got the power. And that's part of what the church is, to remind one another that the lies and the deception and the discouragement and all of the reasons why we think we're disqualified, we come in here and we get reminded, wait a second, you've got the power. Don't let Satan rob you of that this week. Go out and live a powerful life. God wants to impart the Holy Spirit to you so that you will live as if you've got power. I'm going to call the worship team forward. I want to read this uh, amazing quote that I came across. It says this, The church that Jesus is building is not a structure, not a fortress, and not an institution. It is a force, a powerful force, with which to be reckoned, a wave of love. It is an unleashed, empowered people called out to bring light into the darkness. The church. On this rock, I will build my church. And that church is being built on people who have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. So the worship team leads us in this last song. I'm going to encourage our ministry team to come forward. And we have, we have ministry every Sunday, and, and it's a great thing. And I always encourage you to do it. Um, there's always a danger that when you do things every Sunday, it kind of just becomes normative. But I think this morning that there is something special that God wants to do through our prayer team and through this invitation to come forward. And I believe in a special way that God wants to impart His Holy Spirit to us. For those of you who have never felt close to or the sense of the Holy Spirit in your life, I believe that today is a day that God wants to impart the Holy Spirit to you. If there is a challenge or an obstacle or something that is just stealing your lunch money and defeating you, I believe today is a day that God wants to impart power for you to be an overcomer. I believe if you're tired and worn out and weak and you just need to pray, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on you. This morning as you come forward, the Holy Spirit is going to fall on you. So if there was ever a Sunday to come forward, this is the Sunday to come forward. Because this is the Sunday that God wants to transfer His power into your life so that you'll live an abundant life. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray and then we'll sing this song and then come forward for prayer. So God, I thank You that the church is a place where we are empowered to minister, empowered to live, empowered to enjoy life. And so I just pray as this service comes to a close and as we transition into this time of reflection and ministry, open up the heavens like you did on Cornelius' house that day. Open up the roof and let the Holy Spirit fall. Those who are hungry and thirsty, fall. 
For those who have never received the Holy Spirit, the fall was dead. For those who have wandered away from You and are, are on their way back, fall, Holy Spirit, we draw them back. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Let's worship and come forward in this week.